we had to do this. Uh, we had to do a round two of what we already did in 2022. So uh, pretty excited to have you and also very grateful that you were able to make some time to educate um, our community about what has perspired in 2022 and what to look forward to. Uh, before I even get started, uh, yeah, this uh, this is Reiki. Uh, I am the head of PR for Medallion Society behind the Medallion Society PFP. Um, if you want to learn more about us, uh, please uh, make sure you either DM me or go check out our link tree or honestly join our Discord. Say hi. We love having new family members. We call ourselves Leon family because we do function like a family, but been through the thick and thin of whatever happened last year in the markets and we're still around building uh making web3 a better space and uh setting up a legitimate business around uh crowdfunding and uh just learning and growing that's the leon way we adapt and we learn and we grow so that is why we're all here uh to learn from the wisdom of DW Drummer, and I'll let you introduce yourself. Um, I know I can't say enough for all the accolades you have, but uh, yeah, why don't you get us started there? All good. Yeah, no, uh, again, thank you for having me again. Uh, last time was super fun, and uh, I, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to kind of just share some of uh, my perspectives. Uh, so, all right, so who am I? Um, I am more of a, a traditional uh, investor. Um, obviously, as my name tag shows, uh, I am a musician as well. Um, I, uh, I am married. I have three kids. Uh, but outside of that, uh, trading, I have been a trader now for uh, a little over a decade. Um, you know, went through, uh, really started trying to get, um, you know, experience uh, uh, probably shortly after the uh, 2008 crash, um, got wrecked really bad in 2011, um, and really went through and, you know, tried to go through and hone my overall strategy when it came to, uh, uh, investing, uh, and then throughout, um, you know, crypto's lifespan, uh, really kind of sat on the sidelines for quite a while, uh, until actually going through and pulling the trigger. I, I was, uh, very naive in the early stages, um, really thinking crypto was a scam, uh, but then after uh, 2019, um, after seeing, uh, you know, the 2017 uh, bubble take place during the then, you know, 2018 crash, I was convinced crypto, you know, it was dead, never coming back. Uh, but then I actually took a very fundamental uh, look at it from an actual, um, you know, charting perspective uh, and really integrated a lot of what uh, I had learned throughout my uh, many years of investing uh, and at that point in time, I, I really determined uh, during the 2019 rally, um, you know, crypto, crypto's here to stay. Uh, it's not just dead. There is actually mo momentum behind it. Uh, and so then I went through and started building positions, started learning about the technology, uh, fell in love with it. Uh, and I've been here ever since. So that's my, uh, I don't know, hopefully that's not a super long introduction. No, not at all. That was just perfect. And you just uh, gave me the perfect segue here before we even get into our topic of the day. You said you fell in love with the technology and you're here. Uh, that reminds me of asking you to talk a little bit about crypto rudiments and what you're doing with them there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so crypto rudiments, uh, we are a LLC. Um, and what we are trying to do 
um, is honestly really kind of help people cut through a lot of the noise uh, that takes place in the crypto space. Um, a lot of just the junk shilling uh, and really go through and just present the data and the facts uh, at a easy to understand level uh, so then people can go through and make better educated decisions uh, on their investments you know, going forward. Uh, we do have um, a NFT that if you, uh, uh, well, right now, all of them are just only available potentially on the secondary, um, but holding one of those grants lifetime access to everything that we are building. Um, and if you don't have one, you know, that's, that's not a big deal. We do actually have uh, uh, subscription live inside of our discord as well. Uh, and that grants access to, um, you know, everything that we are building, all of the educational content uh, that is is a, a constant build out um, as as well as also um, gaining a little bit of perspective uh, from just some of my in and out thoughts uh, throughout the week with price action that's kind of taking place. And then, as always, you know, you have any questions or concerns uh, or any comments as well. You know, we, we have a whole team uh, that that is ready uh, and willing to try and go through and answer any questions you may have uh, to the best of our abilities. Um, you know, we, we are a small team, so sometimes it does take us a little bit of time, uh, but we are actively trying to go through and grow uh, and really kind of build this out uh, to help as many people as possible, um, you know, really cutting through the noise and really just trying to uh, uh, present as, uh, basically just present a data-focused uh, viewpoint uh, for people to then go through and make their own decisions. I love that. And that is why I always encourage you to talk a little bit about crypto road events and what you're doing there, because it's more than required in these times, because uh, when you notice new people coming into the space and they try to research on YouTube and try to find some videos, you you'll see these extremes, right? Either somebody is extremely bullish or either they're extremely bearish and the sentiments just never aligned with the market is really doing. So it makes it hard for people to, uh, especially those that join, that have joined me either last year or in the last few months or even this week, like pe for people, they don't know how to judge the markets and what to look forward to and what kind of people to follow, what kind of value system should they have, what kind of content or value should they be providing. So it's important for people like you to continue to push for that uh, the, the value-based education around what to look forward in the market, how to educate yourself. So, uh, so glad to have you here to talk about the markets. Um, I know I have been extremely excited to get your perspective on everything that's gone on in the last year. Just honestly, on a sentiment side of things as a person, even though I've been through a few bear markets, I every bear market just hits different. And this one just felt, I don't know why, it just felt like it was the most brutal one that we've had yet, even though the numbers might not align with that. But it's just... Uh, bad news after bad news and right towards the end of the year we had that fdx thing to just wrap all of the crap that was going on last year with a bow right so um yeah we would like to get some uh some of your wisdom around uh what happened last year what you think happened and 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 some of the things that people might have missed in all of the noise that was happening around fdx that that we should uh we should have known about yeah, so that's actually that's actually one thing um, that I think a lot of people kind of miss. You know, if if we're looking at kind of a year in review, 
um, you know, the year in review basically for Bitcoin for 2022, uh, you know, it, it went down 64%, you know, from January to January. Um, you know, if, if you're then talking, uh, you know, Ethereum, for instance, at that point in time, it was like a, uh, I think it was a 67.5%, if memory serves me correct, uh, on the, the decline that we saw, you know, for year over year. Um, and then the, the total crypto market cap uh, went through and actually declined 65%. Um, now, in retrospect, when we compare this to other different bear markets, uh, in total, it was actually pretty tame uh, when it comes to the crypto space. Um, and I, I think one of the things that that actually shows us is the maturing of the asset class as a whole. Um, you know, we'll, we'll still kind of have some of the, the junk um, coins or junk projects that kind of enter the space uh, that do eventually just kind of go through and just get washed out of the system during bear markets. Um, but, you know, I think as the market matures, uh, you know, there's there's going to be less and less projects. Now, don't get me wrong. You can go through and make a ton of money uh, investing early into some of those. Um, but they, they are not the, you know, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 year holds. Um, you know, those would generally be the uh, the, the, the bull market flips, uh, forget about it and, you know, move on to the next thing. Um, but honestly, kind of, uh, I guess to just kind of round about like what kind of went through and caused all of this. Um, well, the majority of honestly, what really took place uh, was inflation just being high. Um, at that point in time, you know, the Fed went through, I believe it was back in November, uh, and went through and actually introduced their first uh, round of rate hikes. Um, now, at that point in time, it did actually coincide to Bitcoin's uh, all-time high during that time. Um, and then since then, you know, we, we had just seen nothing uh, but just the bear market come through and just ensue from there on out. Um, with that kind of being said, we are kind of entering the phase of, um, you know, what is the Fed's next step? You know, the, the Fed went through and consistently raised height or raised interest hikes, uh, you know, continuously this, this past year, putting so much pressure on so many other different businesses that were operating, you know, not just inside the crypto space, but outside the crypto space uh, that many of them folded. Um, now folded at that point in time, you know, they, they went belly up, they went bankrupt, uh, or they were just, you know, not preparing uh, for, um, you know, quantitative tightening. And I, I think that that's a lot of what we saw uh, when it comes to the crypto space uh, in general. Um, you know, we, we saw Celsius go down, we saw Luna go down. Um, obviously, FTX, we've now seen, uh, what is it, Genesis uh, file for bankruptcy. This, this is honestly, um, you know, outside of just the crypto space, this is more so a cause and effect of the Fed going through um, and tightening, um, you know, monetary conditions at this point in time. Now, as we go throughout this next year, um, we are expecting, you know, the Fed to go through and start to uh, not hike as aggressively. Um, now, at that point in time, you know, what what are we potentially kind of looking at, you know, Getting into uh, March, April, and May, uh, you know, we may see, you know, a, a few more 25 basis points uh, rate hikes, you know, going throughout this time frame. Um, and then at that point in time, you know, wherever the last 
hike is generally going to be. Um, I, I, I think that we should expect them to hold those rates for a while. Um, you know, on, on average, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm not getting off on too much of a tangent here. Uh, no, this is perfect. I, I actually wanted to, it, you're doing me a service here because I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about the Fed's involvement. Well, not involvement because they, the crypto market probably is not even a big enough asset class for them to even care about. But right now, like they, the Fed does seem to have like a huge impact in the, on to the crypto market. So you going deep into this, it's, it's like extremely valuable. So yeah, keep, keep going. Perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah. So, so at that point in time, um, I, I think that, you know, let me, let me, let me circle back to, uh, where, where my thoughts were. Um, so, okay. After the fed goes through and, you know, kind of finalizes their, uh, uh, you know, last rate hike, um, for at least the intermediary portion of the cycle for like the, the mid term at that point, um, you know, really kind of just waiting to see if they're able to finalize bringing inflation down. Um, at that point in time, you know, on average, uh, after the Fed has gone through and raised uh, interest hikes before, um, after they have paused, they have on average held those hikes, held that rate for 13 months. Um, now, I, I think that that's something that most people aren't really, um, you know, kind of considering, aren't really looking at. Um, but this, this is just the historical average. Um, you know, there's there's been times that they've only held it for like three months. Uh, but on the flip side, there's been times where they've held it for, you know, uh, two, two and a half years. Uh, but when you go through and you kind of just take an average of that, that's where you get this 13 month uh, average time frame of how long they would generally go through and hold rates. Um, so for me, I look at this um, and I, I, I see them, uh, you know, continuing to raise rates probably through. Um, you know, probably somewhere around that uh, March, April, May uh, time frame. Uh, and I, I think that that's going to also coincide very closely to a lot of inflation data really starting to come down to where at that point, uh, the Fed will more confidently uh, feel comfortable actually pausing the rate hikes as a whole. Um, now, at that point in time, um, you know, I, I think that you know, a lot of volatility is still going to really be taking place. Um, people probably going to uh, begin anticipating the Fed pivoting uh, or lowering interest rates much sooner, uh, which, you know, will then at that point in time still uh, put pressure on the markets as a whole. Um, you know, the longer that the Fed would go through and, you know, continue to hold the rates uh, without a pivot, without a decrease, at that point in time, you know, I, I think more and more people uh, would kind of, you know, basically lose hope, uh, unfortunately, would be like, honestly, the lightest way I could possibly uh, describe this. Um, but on the flip side, this this does generally go through and generate opportunities. Um, now, I. I don't know. I guess at this point in time, if you if you have uh, any other uh, questions, I don't want to just sit here and just talk about yeah. the Fed and uh, everything. I feel like <laughs> I've dumped a whole ton of uh, information there in like the past, uh, I don't know, five, ten minutes. Yes, there that was a lot to take in. And that that is well, this is this is great because this is not a subject that, first of all, it's a lot to cover. So I, I kind of always also felt like this might be a little bit of daunting for uh, just myself or the audience. But at the same time, 
um, this is recorded. So yeah, if you have to go back guys and listen to it like a couple times or like get some of these concepts, like I'm definitely going to go back and listen in, uh, because when you're live, you might miss some nuggets of value that you might not like completely understand, but they're important to understand. So, uh, yeah, getting that background on how the fed is functioning and why it's doing what it's doing, because we've all been hearing that inflation is high, fed is increasing rates, but, but there's no no good explanation out there to kind of break it down as to why is it so important for our markets um and how like things have prospired it just feels like liquidity in the market in general just felt like it was just completely drained out of the market in 2022 as we kept seeing all this decline and to your point when you mentioned at the end of it all of these uh crypto companies uh which i believe some of them were overly leveraged or did not see this coming like do, do you have any hunches as to why some of these uh these contagions might have begun to happen or why some survived and why some didn't yeah so on, honestly the uh the narrative at that point in time really was that it was the crypto contagion um and honestly i i view it more so as uh um they didn't play their cards right they were over leveraged um, you know, some of them, yes, they had some shady dealings. They, they manipulated the money uh, at that point in time. But what, what does higher interest rates really do to companies that are manipulating the books that way? It exposes them. Um, if we had, you know, remained in a phase of quantitative easing during this entire time, and, um, you know, even if the bear market still went through and just ensued just naturally, um, you know, maybe we could have pushed a little higher than what we did. Um, but regardless of that, um, you know, even if a bear market had ensued, ensued with quantitative easing, you know, we might not have seen some of the businesses that were doing shady things uh, actually come to light. Um, really, honestly, when it comes to quantitative tightening and what the cause and effect of what transpires during the times that, you know, the Fed is actually tightening um, and, you know, you, you, you had made a, a really good point regarding, you know, it felt like there was no liquidity in the markets, you know, during 2022. And that's, that's honestly exactly correct. Um, you know, yes, I know, I know that that's like, not exactly correct. There was liquidity, but the liquidity was being drained. Uh, and that's really what happens when the Fed is going through and raising interest rates. Um, you know, my, my mentor back in uh, uh, 2009, uh, really described it to me uh, as a, a freestanding pool. And anytime the Fed is going through and raising interest rates, um, the, the, the best way to view it would be that the Fed is draining the pool. Uh, and your investment is a cup of water that you're trying to pour in the pool as the Fed is just very quickly draining the pool of the water that is in supply. Um, and so again, you know, as this as the water flow would go through and go down because the interest rates are, you know, being held up or in the process of being raised, um, you know, you could potentially find, uh, you know, some, some things that started to sink in the water. You could go through and potentially find, uh, you know, hey, there was some leaves from the fall and, you know, those would be the shady players or anything like that. You know, as, as the liquidity comes down, it exposes what was underneath the surface. Um, and so that that honestly, it, it corresponds so closely uh, to just a lot of what we saw with all of these other different companies really kind of take place. 
Um, now, I know a lot of people were kind of viewing it as an isolated thing within crypto, uh, but it's it's not just crypto. This this happens across all assets, um, you know, all other different investments as a whole, um, with crypto being a little bit more volatile as a whole, just in the class at uh, in, in the in the class asset that it is, you know, we, we are so honed in and focused on what's kind of uh, taking place, the in and outs and everything. Uh, but honestly, just as many, uh, you know, crypto uh, businesses that went under, especially the big ones, there were just as many uh, in more traditional investments that went under that were doing the, you know, very similar things, uh, making shady business deals, um, you know, manipulating their overall books, over leveraged on, on, on their business portfolio. And all of all of the raising and in interest rates as a whole really went through an exposed um, you know, them for the facade that they were, and they end up going, you know, belly up at that point in time. Um, I think at that point, you know, it's just, it's not as, uh, news catchy. Uh, so you don't hear about it as much because, you know, right now the, uh, um, you know, the current narrative is still, you know, well, oh, crypto's a scam. It's never going to go anywhere. Crypto's dead. Um, and we, we see, you know, especially during bear cycles and even accumulation cycles, the, the narrative of, you know, crypto being dead, it's never going to come back, um, you know, just happen time and time again. And I, I, th I think that that's honestly where we are. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that narrative part, because I noticed um, JP Morgan has been all throughout 2022 kept that narrative that crypto's trash and we're not doing anything. And then um, in the back end, they're building um, and that's something I try to cover on my end when I do my project updates for Metalian Society on, on Wednesday nights. I try to look at adoption. I try to look at technology. I try to see what's being built other than looking at price, right? Because everybody's so focused on this stuff. So JP Morgan was working on a blockchain-based platform. And over here, they're just trashing the technology. So I'm like, this is not adding up. So this is clearly narrative that they're trying to push to probably push the market further down because they do have a voice. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right. Some of that starts coming up in the news and your feeds and you start feeling down. A lot of emotions take over. And and all of a sudden, literally last week, and this is where I want to get your opinion. I know you don't like to talk, don't like to talk short term. But it's more from like an educational perspective as to when emotions flip and how bipolar the crypto market kind of feels sometimes. Because literally two weeks ago, everybody was down and feeling bad. And it's like 2023 is going to be worse. And everybody was calling for a 10K Bitcoin in the first week of January. And here we are at a 23K Bitcoin, uh, 16K, uh, 1.6K ETH. And... Um, not saying it's a bull market, can't say that yet, or we don't even know. That's why we need your your expertise to like see what what we're experiencing right now. And all of a sudden, all these YouTubers are and Twitter bros are calling for thirty k Bitcoin. So so talk a little bit about what this flip flop is all about, and and is this really common? Yeah, so this this overall thing that we've kind of just been waiting for is honestly the the shift in momentum. Now, what that finalized shift is actually going to look like, you know, that's that's relatively uh, yet to be decided on. Um, I'll kind of spoil the ending on what my thoughts are. I think that this year is going to be relatively sideways. 
Um, honestly, mostly, uh, you know, choppy, just kind of up and down, uh, not really putting in, you know, new all-time highs. The possibility of a lower price is still on the playing field. Uh, but I, I think that it's relatively going to be choppy. But with all of that kind of being said, um, we've been waiting for a sign that the Bears are losing momentum. Um, now, there's there's a few different levels uh, that we were really kind of waiting to kind of see what would happen. Um, one of them being actually breaking above um, the October-November uh, high of last year, uh, which came in, uh, let me make sure I've got this correctly, uh, right around the $21,473 mark. Um, and the moment that we went through and started to break above that, the, the next level that we really wanted to kind of look at uh, was this overarching uh, macro downtrend line on the Bitcoin price, especially um, that had been, you know, that had started when the bear market uh, really went through and took place. You know, currently with where we sit, we are sitting above that. Um, so in, in my opinion, uh, this would not just be, you know, one point in the uh, in the direction that the the overall uh, trend is beginning to shift. This would be two points at this point. Um, you know, one being that you know we we have officially put in a a higher high uh, that had been you know established looking back in the October November timeframe of last year. We've officially, as far as market structure goes, we have broken that level. Um, the other would be that the macro downtrend line, while this could turn out to just be a potential fake out, I mean, this is, this is something that we do have to consider, uh, you know, where we would go through and just kind of poke our head and immediately come back down, uh, you know, within a couple weeks or so. Uh, but what this is showing as a whole is that the bears are losing momentum and that a overarching trend shift when it comes to the crypto space is beginning to take place. Now, I don't think that that trend is going to be immediately, let's blast off and within three months, we're, you know, retesting, you know, previous all-time highs. I, I, I think at that point in time, the it, it would be such an impulsive, unhealthy move. Uh, it would be so much worse down the road for us. Now, don't get me wrong. It would be really fun to sit here and trade that. Um, but I, I think as a whole, we need to go through and build out a more solidified base uh, before really moving into these higher uh, valuations between, you know, especially between the 40 to, you know, 70K range. Um, I, I just, I, I think for Bitcoin uh, and the crypto asset class as a whole, uh, we, we need a little bit more uh, price consolidation, a little bit more chop, uh, and really kind of ironing out the market structure um, you know, at these levels, especially between, you know, the, the 15K to 25K, um, even up to 30K levels, um, you know, before healthily moving on into the next bull cycle. Hopefully that's, that's a, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. It does. I, you actually got me thinking about something, which I'm going to ask you here in a second. Um, so th this makes a ton of sense. I, I kind of from noticing 2022 and the liquidity crunch and trying to dig deeper into macroeconomics and tr trying my best to understand these cycles outside of the bubble, like you mentioned, bubble of crypto that we live in. Uh, it helps you see things a lot more clear and prepare a little more better. And 
that that's why we are doing this space so that all of our incredible community members and our friends that are joining us, they, they, they can get that perspective because sometimes we do live in an echo chamber in the Web3 ecosystem and we feel like we're the center of the universe, but, but clearly we're just a smaller piece as of now because I do know like we're all in here because we know that the potential that this industry holds is much larger than traditional finance. So what I'm trying to ask you here is you talked a little bit about us having a choppy 2023, a little more sideways consolidation so that we can build a healthy base. Um, how does that compare to your earlier comment when you mentioned, and how does that align with your earlier comment around crypto slowly maturing as an asset class? So does the choppiness have to do something with that? Or um, would it would seeing the choppiness kind of solidify that we are actually growing as an asset class and we're not that volatile anymore as we used to be? Yeah. So what, I mean, one thing to kind of consider um, when it comes to the asset class, just kind of maturing as a whole would quite literally be just, you know, look, look at Bitcoin uh, quite, quite simply. I mean, there's, there's a reason why I, I try to make sure that we, um, highlight these these overall uh, price actions. So in, in the very first cycle for Bitcoin, uh, well, I'm sorry, not the very first, but the 2013 cycle, um, you know, Bitcoin went up, uh, you know, 52,000%, which was absolutely uh, absurd at the time. Um, you know, the 2017 uh, cycle that we saw, um, let me make sure I've got my number correct. Uh, that went up, you know, a little over 12,000%. Uh, and this cycle um, that we've, you know, witnessed uh, from bottom to top, uh, you know, it went up. Um, sorry, my, my screen is hiding that percentage from me. Um, what would that be? A, li a little over the 2000% uh, range. Um, so at, at that point in time, you know, as the asset class matures, uh, and we see things like Bitcoin and Ethereum really kind of establish their grounds, we're going to see, uh, you know, not as volatile returns, meaning not as great of returns, so diminishing returns. But on the flip side, we're also going to see uh, more than likely diminishing losses. Um, so to, to kind of put that into overall uh, perspective, um, I believe the very first bear cycle we saw around a 94% drawdown uh, the second cycle um, was right around, uh, I think it was 88% drawdown. Uh, and then the 2017 uh, drawdown, um, let me make sure I've got this correct, uh, was right around 84%. Um, so at that point in time, just kind of with, with where we are um, in this market cycle, uh, for Bitcoin specifically, just kind of looking at that to its current lowest low, we're sitting around 76%, meaning that, you know, we, we are in a potential threshold of what could be arguably a overall uh, market cycle bottom. Now, I don't ever want to uh, sit here uh, and claim that the current local low, uh, you know, that we saw uh, going, uh, what was it, around 15,500 um, yeah, that would be, that yeah, that that would be the market cycle bottom. Uh, I think that what we're seeing with the, the potential of diminishing losses would mean anything really less than 84%, uh, meaning, you know, we could go down and drop 82%, uh, 
uh, and come down to, you know, around a $11,780 Bitcoin. And at that point in time, we would still be experiencing diminishing losses. Um, uh, You know, we could potentially see a little bit uh, less of a drawdown uh, and be somewhere around the 14K range, um, which is, uh, you know, in in my opinion, one of the primary levels I've been kind of watching uh, during this, it, it was it was my um, it was my personal expected um, drawdown, you know, plus or minus uh, a few percentage points at that point in time. Um, uh, so as as far as where that puts us for you know uh, the rest of Q1, Q2, going into Q3, um, and just kind of the expected choppiness of kind of what I'm talking about. Um, most of this actually has to do with just quite literally building out a solid foundation, a solid base, uh, before really going through and pushing into, you know, new all time high territory with a, a overall healthy manner. Um, now if, if we're talking, um, if we're talking specifically looking at the, the time frame after the bear market has, you know, actually gone through, uh, and solidified to then we are, you know, now talking, um, you know, price consolidation uh, before actually going through and following the momentum into a bullish style momentum. Um, on average, you're looking at anywhere from around uh, nine months uh, to, you know, around, you know, just a little bit over a year. Um, so if, if you if you kind of put that into perspective with where we are. If even if the overall you know proverbial market cycle bottom isn't in, but let's just say that the the trend is beginning to shift uh, with where we are, and we kind of look at it from this this point, uh, you know, from here, if we go out to a year's time frame, um, you know, January, uh, February, March uh, of next year would be, in my opinion, kind of the earliest that we should expect. Um, you know, an actual bullish style momentum shift uh, towards the upside. Now, that that would be if in in my uh, perspective, uh, if we actually get the healthy price consolidation. Now, on the on the fun part, um, this would mean that you know it gives you time. It gives you this year to go through uh, and really kind of just build positions uh, into you know your uh, crypto portfolio. And then, you know, you can then at that point in time really just kind of sit back uh, and enjoy the ride. Um, that that would be just kind of my generalized thoughts. My if this situation happens, um, I, I think it would be perfect. Um, now, I don't always get what I want. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and that just know. that just feels like how the market functions, right? Like um, everybody calls something and then you have narratives like different narratives in the market and then you feel like which narrative is actually going to play out and none of them plays out which which makes this industry so crazy right like in the short term it is like practically impossible to be right more than twice oh yeah no it's it's definitely one of those you you have to recognize um when it's okay to pivot um now i i think with just kind of where that puts us, you know, what kind of formulated me to uh, come to this perspective. And honestly, most of it just kind of has to do with a lot of what's going on around the world um, between the inflation narrative, uh, interest rates, 
uh, shortages around the world, um, you know, wars that are kind of taking place. And most of this is, is me just kind of um, kind of doing that, that basic fundamental analysis, um, not really even just looking at charts, but just kind of looking at what's happening around the world. And I, I, I see that we just need time for some of these narratives to kind of play out. Now, inflation is a, a big key one where, you know, the markets are not going to perform very well if we are still experiencing quantitative tightening. Um, you know, while we are in, um, you know, a, a period of, you know, um, more of like a quantitative consolidation. Now, at that point in time, that would be like the, the Fed uh, pausing rate hikes, whereas quantitative easing would then be them lowering uh, and then also potentially printing money. Um, we need time to see the inflation narrative fully play out. You know, we, we are also hearing about the overall perspectives of a recession narrative. You know, we, we need to see which direction these are going to end up going. If the Fed goes through and breaks something in March uh, and they immediately have to go through and turn the money printer on, well, my perspective of we need a year of, you know, overall sideways price action to build out a healthy base, um, you know, that's that's pretty much tossed out the window. We'll probably see a repeat of 2019 where we would go through and uh, potentially pump up to, you know, uh, 50, 60 K somewhere around that before needing to come back down. Um, mm -hmm. And that that would that would be the situation of where we would we would flip bullish too quickly. Uh, and not have enough of a, a foundation uh, to really push higher in a healthier manner, in a longer manner. Um, hopefully that, uh, uh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it does. I uh, You mentioned something really cool there, and I think we should talk a little bit about that as well, because everybody's so focused on the inflation narrative that not enough uh, eyes are on, well, at least doesn't feel like in the crypto market, but I know in traditional market, they're looking at it, but uh, it's the it's the narrative you just talked about around recession. So if you could educate everybody about that narrative right now and the, the difference between what I keep hearing is a soft landing versus, versus not having a soft landing, like what does all that mean? So we can kind of understand that as well and how that plays into what could happen with the crypto market in in this year and the year after. That would be great. Yeah. So um, to kind of to kind of just elaborate a little bit, a, a soft landing right now is what a lot of market participants are pricing in to the markets. Uh, this is this is quite currently just what we are seeing with inflation coming down, um, you know, metrics being met, uh, you know, month after month where, you know, the 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 market participants are accurately predicting um, you know, the, the overall inflation that we are to expect uh, from year over year to month over month. Um, we've, I think we've honestly, we've hit three, um, three of three of the past, um, you know, CPI reports where market participants were able to go through and accurately predict um, what the CPI was going to be. They were either, you know, um, inflation data came under what they were expecting or they were right at what they were expecting. Um, now, at this point in time, this is where we actually saw some of the, the price momentum uh, and bullish momentum start to come back into the markets. Um, market participants, to me right now, I think are just getting almost a little too comfortable uh, with this. 
Um, we do still have some major red flags in front of us um, between earnings reports, uh, between, um, you know, what if um, uh, some consumer spending comes back into the market just a little too heavy, a little too early, and we get a reversal on inflation and it comes roaring back. Um, you know, all, all of these kind of things kind of weigh into um, just my, my perspective here. Um, now, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the, the latter part of your of your question. Uh, yeah, no. Um, so the latter part was now that you talked a little bit about what the this, the market is looking for in the soft landing uh, with recession, um, how would that play alongside the crypto market and what could we expect? Yeah. So okay. in case of landing or a case where it doesn't happen. Yeah, so then then we get into more of the the hard landing uh, narrative, and I guess I was kind of naturally going there, and I could have just kept going, and <laughs> we would have gotten there eventually, <laughs> even though I had forgotten. <laughs> I've got that. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So at at that point in time, um, there's there's honestly there's a couple uh, different avenues of what we could see regarding um, what it would take for us to experience a hard landing. Um, you know, a soft landing at this point in time, for the most part, that would potentially be the argument that the lows that we have currently seen would relatively be uh, the, the lows that we should expect uh, kind of going forward, plus or minus about 5 or 10%, um, almost regardless of what asset class you're kind of talking about at that point in time. Um, the, the harder landing narrative, now this, this could get into... Uh, the argument of the recession narrative, this could get into stagflation. Uh, this could also then get into if inflation becomes entrenched, uh, the Fed pivoting too early, we experience a little bit of a rally uh, and inflation comes, you know, roaring back. All of these would play into uh, the overall narrative of what we could see on a harder landing. Now, at that point in time, um, you know, a harder landing uh, would quite honestly be the we very easily take out the lows that we have currently seen. Uh, and we're talking, you know, 15, 20% or more uh, lower than what we have currently experienced. Um, that would be more of the, uh, um, the, the, the harder landing uh, that we could potentially kind of look at. Um, now, some of those could honestly be very slow bleeds. Now, this would not be, you know, your typical uh, capitulation style event where, you know, in crypto, we we're almost used to at this point in time waking up one day and we see that in a single day or in a single week. Oh, wow. You know, our bags are down 20 percent. Our bags are down 30 percent, 40 percent, 50 percent, whatever it may be. Um, this would be um, the, the time based capitulation um, to me, I, th I think, would be the most painful for a lot of people. Um, this would be, you know, we'd experience, you know, that final 20% drawdown over the course of, you know, six, nine, 12 months. Um, and that, that honestly, that would be more so of people just kind of giving up on the markets, walking away. Um, and that would be more, more, uh, closely aligned to what, uh, we've seen in other markets where it's just a time-based capitulation, uh, style event rather than, uh, you know, an all-in-one, one-and-done, rip off the Band-Aid and let's go. 
Um, you know, I prefer the rip off the bandaid. It just, it just makes it so much easier. Um, especially when it's like, you know, all right, cool. We've seen, we've seen the drawdown. This is about as bad as it's going to get. Even if we go a little bit lower, this we've experienced the worst of it. Um, but you know, as a slow bleed, it, it, it really takes a lot of mental fortitude, uh, to really kind of, um, stick to, you know, an accumulation style strategy. Uh, because at that point in time, it's like, you're going through, you're doing your weekly DCA or your monthly DCA or your daily DCA, whatever you go through and try and do. And you're just constantly seeing your portfolio drop by, you know, one, two, three percent, you know, on a month to month style basis. Um, And it it can it can feel very self-defeating when it comes to uh, that in from, you know, an investor standpoint of view. Um, so I, I guess at that point in time, those would be kind of the, uh, the couple different options, um, in what we could expect to see kind of from more of a harder, uh, style landing, um, compared to what I think the market is currently pricing in, uh, which is the, the softer style landing. Um, Mm -hmm. so anyhow, go ahead. No, that, that was perfect. I just wanted to, um, yeah, I was thinking about basically everything that you're saying definitely lines up with uh, the observation that I'm trying to have on like how people are uh, accounting for things. And it's just new. These are all new concepts to me. So as you're saying this, I'm the light bulb is going off in my head as to how comfortable, like you said, the market is getting comfortable with predicting the rate of change of uh, inflation. And that is why we see these minor rallies in this bear market. Uh, But also like the bears are starting to get uh, losing some of their momentum because of the shift in uh, some of the data. So the the soft landing definitely feels like something that has uh, been played out and everybody's feeling extremely confident. But in investing, like you said, you have to uh, look at both sides of things and look at all your options and then prepare accordingly. Um, so with that, I really wanted to get your two cents as to something you're doing personally, aside from trading. I know a lot of people don't trade or want to learn how to trade. So that's another thing. But also for people that do not have those technical skills to read the markets, like what would be your uh, word of advice, I know we don't do financial advice, but your word of advice as to how to approach this coming year and how to position yourself for success long term. I guess that would be uh, what would be super helpful for everybody here. Yeah, so I, I think at this point in time, one of one of the easiest things you could probably try and do would quite literally just be to watch and pay attention loosely to what the Fed is doing. Um, you know, watch for when the Fed would go through and potentially pause rate hikes. Watch for when the Fed would potentially go through and start to, uh, you know, pivot and lower uh, interest rates uh, when it comes to this as a whole. Um, outside of that, um, I think from a risk to reward standpoint, uh, if you are specifically looking at crypto, uh, I think right now, um, we, we are on the verge and or arguably are in uh, Bitcoin season. Uh, now, with that being said, I do think that during bear markets and especially during uh, the early stages of accumulation phases, 
uh, which is what I think arguably we are heading towards, uh, you know, through the rest of Q1 and into Q2 uh, for the crypto asset class. I think it's great to be Bitcoin heavy. Uh, now, the reason for this, um, this plays out about 95 to 96% of the time, where if you are Bitcoin heavy, uh, say, you know, 70 to uh, 90% of your overall portfolio, during the early phases of an accumulation phase and during a bear market, what you will see is that the majority of altcoins, um, now this, this includes Ethereum, I don't really uh, consider Ethereum an altcoin, I, I think that it's honestly the only other blue chip in the crypto space, everything else is fighting for its spot, um, but with, with, that, with that aside... Uh, being Bitcoin heavy during these times gives you uh, a couple different things. One, it grants you exposure to the asset class as a whole. Uh, and two, during these, these bear markets and sideways price action, you know, overall generic accumulation phases, most altcoins will continue to bleed, continue to go down uh, against their Bitcoin pair. Now, at that point in time, even if everything has bottomed against the dollar, uh, meaning even if your uh, altcoin has bottomed against uh, the dollar, even if Bitcoin has gone through and bottomed against the dollar, during these times, Bitcoin is the first mover. Um, now, what this ends up happening is that as Bitcoin would go through and set precedence, begin to build confidence back into the crypto market space, those other different altcoins relatively remain stagnant for a while. Uh, now, what generally ends up happening is that during that first initial impulsive move that Bitcoin would go through and make, you are able to then go through and actually take your Bitcoin and accumulate more altcoins than you otherwise would have, even if all you did was buy them at the exact dollar bottom. Uh, and it's, it's one way to kind of uh, gauge and play the crypto space uh, by honestly just holding um, you know, one of the more secure... Uh, assets in the crypto space. Now, I, I know Bitcoin gets kind of a bad rep uh, for being, you know, you're, you're not going to experience great returns or anything like that. You know, it's, it's not as fun to play with. Um, but honestly, I, I think if you view it for what it is, that it is a, a overall arguably deflationary hard capped asset um, and, and you view it and respect it for that, then at that point in time, you, you can view it uh, you know, more similarly to an actual dollar or whatever your currency basically is, uh, except that Bitcoin is deflationary. Um, and again, this then grants you exposure to the asset class to eventually take your Bitcoin and accumulate altcoins uh, more heavily than you otherwise would have, even at their, uh, you know, um, dollar perspective bottoms. Um, you know, this, this isn't 100%, this doesn't work 100% all of the time, uh, but this does work, you know, 95, 96% of the time. Um, and I, I think that it's something a lot of people need to really start consider, especially with where we are in the markets. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this one metric here real quick, because to me, it's one of the, the more exciting ones, one of the ones that I've really kind of been waiting for. Uh, to see this move 
uh, to really just kind of to, to lay the foundation of like, yes, we are finally beginning to experience the cleansing where all of the crap in the space is finally getting washed out, uh, where, you know, we'll be able to go through and actually build out a solid foundation. And that is the Bitcoin dominance, um, you know, being able to go through and follow the Bitcoin dominance, which uh, for those that you know don't know, the Bitcoin dominance is quite literally the amount of money within the crypto space that is all specifically tied to just strictly Bitcoin. Um, and with this move where we saw it really go through and break, um, you know, above the 42 percent range to where, you know, currently at this exact moment, you know, we're sitting around 44.37 percent. This is great. We want to see the dominance of Bitcoin. Uh, go through and continue to take over the crypto market space uh, during these next uh, few quarters, during these next few months. Uh, because at that point in time, we, we see um, a couple different things happening. Uh, one, primarily, we've washed out all the junk. Two, we can then see that altcoins are, are basically a shell of their former selves and that they have officially then gone through and started to enter uh, or arguably are in uh, their deep value zones um, against their Bitcoin pair. Uh, and again, you know, just to circle back, being able to accumulate more of, you know, different altcoins just by holding Bitcoin during this phase. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, wrapping your head around kind of that concept uh, and trying to at least understand it um, you know, weighing a asset against a different asset instead of just looking at it at its dollar pair, uh, I, I think will really kind of help people gauge and get a better, deeper understanding uh, of the crypto uh, asset class kind of as a whole. Uh, and that is to really take a deep dive uh, into Bitcoin. Uh, now, I know that was that was a rant. So if anyone has, yeah. you know, any questions on that, um, no, you know, feel feel free. Yeah, that, that was awesome. Uh, drummer. It's uh, it's important to realize the importance of Bitcoin. Like I, I personally I'm extremely bullish on Ethereum. I get what they're trying to do with uh, making it ultrasound money with the deflationary model, uh, with burning the gas fees and it less Ethereum being in circulation over time as it gets used more. So, hey, it's going to be better than Bitcoin because of that reason. I get that narrative, but at the same time, I realize that no matter what happens, Bitcoin has maintained its number one spot since the inception of this industry, which happened with Bitcoin. So there is a healthy balance between not being a maxi and knowing that something does and deser does deserve its place as number one when it comes to you allocating your position. So I, I have come to realize like, yes, what you're talking about here, uh, like Bitcoin does have that, sp ha does deserve that place. And it is a great place to be when markets are like this right now. So I really appreciate your uh, your feedback there. Again, I wanna remind everybody, uh, I don't didn't mention it before, but if you have any questions, if you are in our Discord, you can drop it in the general chat. I'm monitoring that chat. Or you can also, in the comment section, drop your question and I will pick it up. And then uh, we can uh, get started with our Q&A. Because I think uh, we've kind of covered a lot of content here in such a short time. Um, so again, very appreciative uh, there, 
of you, drummer, for taking time and talking about this stuff. I before we jump into the Q and A, is there anything uh, specifically other than what we just talked about that you would like to share uh, that that you're excited about or looking into or feel like the our audience would uh, would benefit from knowing about? Um. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I think that that's probably, probably honestly, two basic principles. Uh, one is is that you know, it's okay to be a crypto maxi. I wouldn't sit here and you know argue Bitcoin maxi, Ethereum maxi, or anything like that. Um, you know, I I am not a Bitcoin maxi. I know I spend ninety eight percent of my time talking about Bitcoin, uh, but that's because of the importance of Bitcoin. Uh, in the crypto space. Um, I, I think having that perspective uh, is good. Being able to recognize what season you are in. Are you in Bitcoin season? Are you in Ethereum season? Are you in altcoin season? Uh, and during bear markets and during you know accumulation phases, you wait for the times that it really shows it's Bitcoin season. Um, now, I do think secondly, um, you know, when it comes to long-term investing, uh, we are very close, if not are already arguably in, um, you know, DCA territory. Um, I've been DCAing uh, mostly Bitcoin uh, now uh, since we had gone through uh, and really breached the uh, uh, $17,500 level. Um, uh, you know, as soon as we really went through and really started to uh, come below the 200-week moving average, and I mean, if you want to use that as your benchmark, go for it. Um, you know, I've just been mindlessly DCAing as long as we've been belowing it, or I'm sorry, below it. Um, uh, now, I, I do more of a dynamic DCA approach. We can get into that if people want to know, um, but that's where as we go through and go lower in prices, I weight my buys heavier uh, than I otherwise would have. Um, but anyhow, yeah, we can, we can get more into, uh, yeah, Q &A so, style questions. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, since you're talking about your dynamic DCA, I would say, let's talk about that because I think people would benefit from knowing what that is because I know DCAing is just automating month or month or a specific period of time. You just automate how much money you put into the market, irrespective of what's happening. Right. So what you're doing sounds a little different than that. And yeah, also why you do it, I guess that would also be helpful to know. Yeah, so a dynamic DCA is quite quite literally on its face. It is weighting your, uh, you know, weekly purchase. For me, I do a weekly purchase. Uh, it doesn't really matter what the price is too much. Um, I do a weekly purchase. But the, the point of a dynamic DCA is to try and bring your weekly purchase, your average buying cost down as low as possible. Um, now, I know before I had said, um, you know, I pretty much waited until we had gone through and broke below the 200 week to start doing this. Um, now, most of the reason for that is because in previous cycles, the 200 week was an excellent benchmark to show that, um, you know, the, the proverbial bottom was in or that we were in an overall accumulation zone. Um, now, to me, I kind of viewed it relatively the same, but I didn't view it as, um, you know, the end all be all that it had to be the bottom. Um, you know, I, I viewed uh, some of the longer term moving averages like the 300 and the 400 
um, as the uh, potential, um, you know, a, a, a higher probability of what a overall market cycle bottom would be. Um, now, with that being said, for every week we're below the 200 week, um, we'll, we'll try and break this up into relatively simple math. So uh, we'll say you are doing a $10 buy. Um, now, for me, the entrance price, as soon as we broke below the 200 week, uh, was relatively simple, uh, right around $22,500. Um, so a dynamic DCA, this would mean that every week we are below uh, $22,500. Um, I am just throwing uh, $5 into the market and I am saving the other five. Um, now, if we go through and we break below some other different levels, um, let's say the $20,000 level. Um, now, at that point in time, that following week, I will then take uh, $7 and say 50 cents uh, and purchase, you know, more Bitcoin at this point in time. So then at this point in time, um, you know, that week, I then have, you know, an additional uh, $7 and 50 cents that I have that I've been going through and building. Now, what ends up happening is, is that, you know, if your weekly budget allows you to only, you know, DCA $10 into the market. By going through and splitting that up a little bit, um, you know, taking this dynamic approach, what it allows you to do is uh, throw more money into the market the lower that we go. Um, now, one of the things that this enables you to do um, is if you, anyone's familiar with limit orders, uh, you could potentially go through and take some of the stacked cash that you have made um, and, you know, set a limit order. Um, you know, closer to. So yeah, for people you... that don't oh, know, ahead. drummer, sorry, didn't want to. You did talk about limit orders. So for those that don't trade or know what that is, if you could tell tell us what that is before you go any further. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so a limit order would quite literally be, um, you know, hey, we we see Bitcoin currently today sitting, you know, at twenty two thousand eight hundred dollars. Um, but you know, say at that point in time. You're, you're thinking, hey, I think we're going to revisit, let's say, $18,000. Um, you could go through and say, uh, you know, depending on what exchange you're using, uh, say you would like to purchase uh, X amount of Bitcoin, whatever it might be, even if it's $10, $20, $100, $1,000, you know, 10K worth, um, whatever you'd be willing to go through and put into the market at that point in time you can set a limit order to purchase Bitcoin when it reaches that price. Um, now, this, this, this enables a few different things. Um, one, when you have that stacked cash, that stacked reserve, which is really where the, the, the magic of dynamic DCA really kind of comes into play. Um, as soon as some of these lower prices get hit, those limit orders would then get triggered and instantly uh, lower your average buying cost uh, down potentially a few percentages. Um, now, at this point in time, uh, one, one of the most basics uh, to, I guess, just kind of understand here is that, you know, if you go through and you do an average just weekly buy, just a mindless DCA, you know, not even worrying about a dynamic DCA, you'll probably do relatively well um, when it's probably all said and done. Uh, on average, you would probably have purchased 
you know, somewhere between 20 to 40 percent uh, of, you know, as if you just did a one time buy at the market cycle bottom and you timed it perfect, you know, 20 to 40 percent of it of, of just a weekly buy, um, you know, is probably pretty good going into the next cycle. Uh, now, a dynamic DCA, it's it's a little bit more of a headache. You do have to kind of follow the market a little bit closer. Uh, but generally, I think it's good to just kind of create benchmarks and kind of follow those. Um, generally, what that enables you to basically do um, is by weighting your buys at lower prices and putting more into the market at lower prices, you're more likely to get, you know, within that 10% range of if you just did a one-time buy at the market cycle bottom. Um, you know, long story short, it generally means you'd experience greater returns uh, than someone that just did a, you know, a weekly DCA of whatever, you know, the price action was really kind of looking like uh, during those accumulation phases. Um, so hopefully, hopefully that kind of uh, helps gain a little bit of perspective when it comes to, um, you know, the strength limit orders can give you uh, on top of also the strength that, you know, doing more of a dynamic DCA approach for like long term accumulation um, and just kind of how you can pair those two uh, to really go through and, and strengthen your position uh, for the long run. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible and valuable. Um, I hope everybody is taking notes and I know. Uh, this was recorded, so you can always go back and take notes if you want, because it's important to develop a strategy. Uh, wealth building, again, it's something that takes time. It's a concept. It takes time to understand, but it never happens as a shot of luck. Like if you are that Dogecoin guy that made whatever he made with Dogecoin and then all of that went back to where he started, didn't have a strategy, just wanted to hold it. So you got to have a strategy. And that's why um, we have Drummer here and we have Crypto Rudiments as our uh, friendly partner project. Um, they do incredible stuff there ed with education around the industry, what to do, what not to do, how to prepare yourself. So please go check them out. And uh, before I go into our first question from our audience, uh, I would like to let everybody know that if you would like to come on and actually ask your question feel free to request to come up and i can get you up and you can ask your question i know kamikaze had to leave but he asked me if he could ask you um about the ape coin and what are your outlook what's your outlook on that for the coming year yeah so ape coin um i honestly i think that it's going to be relatively similar to most other altcoins uh, during this year, um, in that, you know, it could go through the market cycle bottom for that the dollar vault, you know, dollar bottom could be potentially in, um, I lean more towards on the side of, um, while it could be in, let's not just plan like it's in. Um, so with, with that kind of being said, when, when you're talking about ApeCoin specifically, um, I, I think ApeCoin uh, will will behave very similar to what we see a lot of other altcoins do, in that as a whole, it will likely bleed against its Bitcoin pair. I, I think that the the higher probability of that taking place uh, would likely be the outcome. Um, 
I think ApeCoin will likely do well uh, into the next, uh, you know, bull market into the next cycle. Um, as far as, you know, expected returns, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that depending on, um, you know, how much further down we may end up going or, you know, just kind of what we may end up experience throughout the rest of this year. Um, I, I think it's a little too early to try and kind of do any kind of price uh, estimations. I mean, recently I've seen people start calling for, you know, a $300,000 Bitcoin again. And it's like, no, let's, let's not go there. <laughs> um, you know, and, and other people as well, you know, I, I think I saw some people say, you know, oh, hey, uh, $300, a $500 ape coin, that's, that's potentially in play. Um, you know, I, I, I think right now it's too early um, to go through and try and do any kind of those style of, uh, you know, price speculations. Um, I, I think we need to build a base. Um, and honestly, a, a lot of building out of base is where the markets are just very boring. Uh, but honestly, it's it's during some of the best times to go through and accumulate positions. Um, again, to kind of reiterate, I think ApeCoin will behave very similar to most other altcoins in that it will likely bleed against its Bitcoin pair over the course of the next several months. Um, you know, as Bitcoin really just kind of takes care, takes hold of the markets. Um but I, I do think ApeCoin is a decent, you know, play uh, potentially going into the next cycle. Uh, but that's that's just kind of my my thoughts specifically on ApeCoin there. Gotcha. Thank you so much for your perspective there. Um, I don't see any other questions, so just gonna give everybody about 10, 20 seconds more to either request to come up or put your questions in the comment section of the space. Um, otherwise, I, I think we covered a lot of ground today. I Again, thank you so much for uh, literally starting all the way from 2022 all the way taking us to 2023 and the year after. It's not easy to um, put things in perspective like that if you don't understand the market. So like, it was incredible to get your perspective on what happened because we all have tainted and it's everything's driven by narratives so we all have tainted approaches or tainted understanding of what perspired in 2022 so getting to hear from you as to what really happened and other than what was being shown to us what happened which was just fdx everywhere um it was good to know that this is this is what you got to look forward to and there's this diminishing return thing in play and what the fed is doing has a huge impact on the market so i hope after listening to this, a lot of people actually start closely watching what the Fed is doing because that's one way to keep uh, keep up with what could potentially happen. And I know um, you do your weekly spaces as well there, Drummer. So you want to talk a little bit about uh, that as well um, before we close out today? Uh, yeah, sure. So we, we do go through and we host a weekly space every Monday, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern uh, just for, you know, anybody that wants to go through and kind of tune in and get the overall weekly update, you know, what's kind of happening throughout this week, uh, what's what's some of the things to kind of take note of, um, and just kind of a, a generalized perspective of, you know, just some expectations or some things that we could, uh, you know, generally see. And again, just to kind of to circle back to this point, we, we try to really cut through the noise and just present, you know, the data. 
Um, you know, I, I know I can be opinionated at times, but I, I really try to take my opinions out of it uh, and just say, you know, this this is what the charts, this is what the data is saying, this is what's happening around the world. Um, and as far as like what we can expect from that, that's that's up to other people's interpretation. I'll I'll go through and kind of give my thoughts on it. Um, but you know, I'm 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 just one person. I'm fallible. Um, I'm okay with being wrong. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I think that, you know, when it comes to trading, uh, you have to be flexible. Uh, nobody's going to go through and predict the markets to a 100% certainty from start to finish. Um, and anybody that does, uh, maybe it's Nancy Pelosi. Maybe we just need to like plug into her brain <laughs> or something, but <laughs> we need her to get to talk game. about crypto, man. Like, come on, Nancy, talk about crypto. Tell us ETH is going to go to 20 K. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. I I definitely agree with you that if if a person doesn't have the humility to accept that they're human and they're going to make a mistake and they can't really predict the future, then there's something wrong there. So that's why a lot of I <laughs> I call it moon math. I kind of picked it up somewhere. I heard that when people start doing moon math, which is like, oh, Bitcoin, um, you see like a 3% increase in a day. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like 100K Bitcoin in a week. So um, starting to see a little bit of that moon math around. And I was like, hold on this. I've seen this happen before. It's uh, over optimism a little too fast. So um, hopefully our audience and I know Leon family members are all like long-term minded, like people that realize value creation doesn't happen overnight or over a week, stuff like that takes time. So this healthy consolidation that we, as drummer mentioned, we might see this year, uh, might still bring you opportunities. So the concept of, uh, DCAing, if you haven't been doing DCA, or if you have been doing DCA but wanted a better strategy, then you have dynamic DCA that he just talked about. So there might be more. So keep learning, keep educating yourself because that is literally the only way that you're going to succeed in this market. If someone comes to you tomorrow telling you buy this coin and this is going to go to a 50x or whatever, you know you don't want to listen to that person because that's the person you're going to hate the most in your life. So that's why I don't try to take financial advice from people. Uh, that I'm close to, or honestly, not take financial advice from anyone. Uh, so if you notice, everything we talked about today was markets and outlooks and no specific price like predictions or anything, because th those are not helpful. That's just like throwing a stone in the air and hoping it lands somewhere that you like, but um, it's never going to help you. So if you are in that mindset of seeking price predictions, try to get out of it. I try to encourage everybody to ask better questions when it comes to their investing. Again, the reason behind partnering with people and projects that are genuinely out there trying to educate people about how to look at things, getting the right perspective, building the right strategies, leveling up your game when it comes to wealth building. Those things are absolutely essential to have in your toolbox if you really want to go anywhere in this industry that is evolving at the speed of light so if you just notice the nft space we didn't talk about that today but it was it was something that i've been thinking about that just within the last year the kind of innovation in the bear market in the nft technology space it's been incredible so that's just a small piece of what this industry is all about. So there's so many other pieces to it. Tokenization is another one. So um, there, there's a lot. So the 
the important thing is that if you are consistent in your learning and action taking, um, I think uh, you are setting yourself up for success and listening to good people in this industry, like Drummer himself, and uh, just knowing what are the red flags in this industry when you listen to people. Um, so if you're feeling like you're being forced into an opinion somehow, they're probably not the right person to listen to because then they're either going to be biased about something and eventually it's going to lead to losses of some sorts or there, there's a hidden agenda there that you don't know about. So if you can't have an open conversation with someone or can't hear an open argument about why I think this is this way and why I think this other thing could also be right. So uh, it's important to look at all perspectives because no one knows what's going to happen next. So that's what we try to do. And that's why we had Drummer today. So again, uh, Drummer, thank you so much for hopping on today and educating us uh, with your wisdom. Yeah, no, for sure. appreciate you having me on. Um, and, you know, as, as always, if anybody has any question. In Great point there, uh, drummer. Great people in here. Appreciate everybody being in here and uh, taking that, uh, that step to not just educate yourself, but supporting uh, your friends in this industry. So it's extremely essential to do and uh, very grateful for all of you being here. Uh, get a question in while they can. <laughs> two times two times that say catch a falling knife is that something he <laughs> is that your trademark uh that's not my trademark there's a lot of people that actually say it um okay. but yeah ge generally especially during you know bear markets during you know peak fear and all of those kind of things i i, I urged people uh to not yolo into uh altcoins because it would be like trying to catch a falling knife um you know i'm I am not the originator uh, of that comment um, <laughs> as much I have, as I'd like to be. <laughs> I, <laughs> it, is a great, uh, it is a great analogy if you think about it because it, people don't realize that sentiments move faster than the market itself. And it's just like people don't realize that you could get wrecked trying to just – not trade, but like try to follow sentiments by acting uh, right on it. So yeah, catching a falling knife seems like people do more than uh, they would admit to in this industry for sure. Yeah, most most of that comes down to the precipice of, you know, just because an altcoin is down 80% doesn't mean it couldn't drop another 80%. Um, you know, it's 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 really waiting for the the appropriate time to go through and actually start building uh you know positions Sol solana would actually be a great example of a uh, an altcoin that dropped 80 percent and then dropped another 80 percent um you know people that thought uh buying solana when it was 80 percent down from its all-time high being a good deal you know unfortunately if that's when they bought they woke up one day uh and were 80 percent down thereafter um so you know that's that's really where the argument the idea um of trying to catch a falling knife uh, really comes from. I love it. Um, good thing to remember. Uh, thank you so much uh, there two times. Um, catching a falling knife is something you don't want to do. And that's why you build your strategies, guys. Don't forget. So um, Antonio posted, what's everyone's thought thoughts on BTC decoupling from alts based on people's uh, favorite altcoin over the blockchain aspect as opposed to simple token price 
uh, or, for example, blockchains such as Algorand working with governments. If I if I understand the uh, the question, um, the price aspect of things, I think that we're already seeing the decoupling uh, go through and kind of take place. This this is really where following the Bitcoin dominance aspect of things really kind of comes into play. Uh, really outlining, uh, you know, Bitcoin outperforming uh, most other altcoins in the space, um, and really even taking liquidity from stable coins uh, back into uh, Bitcoin. That's that's really what the Bitcoin dominance shows as a whole. Um, and I, I think that in that aspect, we are seeing that decoupling where uh, most altcoins um, are just underperforming uh, against Bitcoin uh, and that we really are entering the phase of Bitcoin season. Um, now, from, from the centralized aspect, um, I, I think Bitcoin is on the verge of being declared uh, a commodity. Um, and the, the decoupling that we could potentially go through and kind of see in that aspect would be the SEC going through and having, um, you know, basically declaring most other altcoins in existence a security. Um, and that's that's also one of the reasons why, especially during these times, uh, I would encourage people to be more Bitcoin heavy uh, because we're, we're expecting regulation to really kind of come into play, um, you know, within the next uh, potentially several months. Uh, into the next year. Uh, and if you're in potentially a position that ends up getting deemed a security, um, you know, that's that's a massive that's a massive blow. Um, you know, I mean, I know that there's a lot of uh, uh, innovation and a lot of uh, uh, transactions that happen on XRP. Um, but XRP was a, a torrential da- uh, underperformer this past cycle um, after it had been de- declared a, uh, a security. Uh, not even getting into where it broke its previous all-time high from 2017. Um, and at that point in time, uh, Bitcoin outperformed XRP. Um, now, we'll have to kind of follow and see what happens there. Um, but depending on which aspect of decoupling you're kind of talking about, uh, whether it be the price aspect uh, or you know the um, commodity versus potential security aspect, um, I, I think it's it's best, especially at re- you know right now, uh, to be more along the lines of a wealth preservation mode, uh, and not be overly risky uh, when it comes to your investments. Um, I, I think that we need a little bit of regulatory clarity uh, to really kind of really be ironed out in the space, um, and then as well, you know, we're we're in the phase where where Bitcoin is likely going to outperform most other altcoins. Uh, as a whole. Um, and so, you know, why, why try to force a trend when one trend is uh, being ironed out and becoming more and more clear uh, each and every day with where we are at this point in time in the cycle? Perfect. That was a great answer. And I, I like that you covered both aspects of it. So hopefully, Antonio, that got your question answered. Great question there. Uh, you all had a wonderful time. I know I had a wonderful time geeking out and learning so much. And I, every time I talk to Drummer, I learn so much. So uh, again, thank you, everybody, and especially Drummer for hopping on and educating us about what perspired and what to look forward to. And I know if people have follow-up questions, like you said, uh, either reach out um, or on Twitter or Discord. So um, I know... 
it's it's amazing like he's answered all of my questions every time i've i've geeked out about something so appreciate that so yeah um again thank you everybody appreciate you all and hope uh you have a wonderful rest of your weekend any parting thoughts drummer uh no honestly i i appreciate the time i appreciate you having me uh up here and giving me the the opportunity to uh just kind of I guess, lay out on the field um, what I kind of think is, is possible. Um, and honestly, I, th I think if anybody takes anything away from this, um, it's okay to be wrong, uh, but you need to go through and recognize when it's time to go through and pivot your personal strategy. Um, you know, don't, don't try and force something uh, just because you are so bought and sold on whatever narrative uh, you've kind of formulated for yourself. Um, the markets kind of force you uh, to need to be flexible. Um, and especially from an investing standpoint, you need to have the flexibility to recognize, uh, you know, the trend that we are in, what is kind of happening, uh, and be flexible to adjust, uh, you know, your overall investment strategy going forward. Uh, so those, those would be my, uh, my, my, my biggest points I would want to uh, encourage people to try and uh, take home. Perfect. Perfect way to end things. Uh, thank you all. Again, uh, happy to answer any questions. If anybody has any, uh, reach out to Drummer as well. Uh, I can get your questions to him as well if you have any. Uh, thank you for hopping on and wishing you all a great weekend.